Hello everyone, welcome back to Just Another F1 Podcast here on the Apex Motorsport. My name is Richard Smith and we've just had the Italian Grand Prix, the second event that runs the Formula 1 Sprint uh, sprint Qualifying, Sprint Race, whatever you want to call it, uh, the second trial of that. We're going to discuss that today and joining me for that discussion is accredited Formula 1 photographer Craig Evans. Craig, thank you for coming back uh, for this podcast. Uh, just very quickly describe the Italian Grand Prix weekend in just three words. Oh, you keep putting me on the spot with these ones. I know. Oh, you keep putting me on the spot. Three words. Um, uh, in the, I think, in the words of Fernando Alonso in what was it, twenty twelve, Lever da Space. That's what I'm going to say. Okay. Yeah, and we'll see the reasons for that in a little bit when we get into that discussion. But I think we'll just jump straight into the discussion today, and we'll jump into the sprint qualifying sprint race i think in form of the one once it's called a sprint qualifying so we'll try our best to call it that but um craig just did, did you think it worked um because we, we see a silverstone and i think the mood and the reaction to this one was was slightly different uh no i, I don't think it worked at all and i think a lot of people have are starting to see through the veil of an extra race on a weekend but it's what i said to you and i believe i mentioned it on the podcast when we spoke about Silverstone, I said, you take Alonso's great start from Silverstone out of the equation, was it a good race? And quite often the answer was, well, no one really did anything. And that's exactly what we saw in this uh, sprint race here. We saw a good first lap with a bit of chopping and changing. And after that, I don't believe there were hardly any overtakes for position, were there? There was very few I think it's one of these things where everyone got so excited about the, the idea of a sprint race and an extra race and now that we've seen it for the second time it seemed to me it's a little bit unnecessary because it's just adding to a, an already hectic weekend schedule and this is the first sprint race I, I watched as sort of a fan on, t- on TV pretty much because I was a Silverstone for, for the Grand Prix then so I experienced as a fan, and it was enjoyable as a fan, give more more for the weekend, but as a viewer on the TV, it just seemed to be unnecessary, and it just it was like a start of the race, and I think the idea, and I can't remember who it was, was it, was it Damon Hill, or maybe it was David Coulthard, I, I can't, I'm not sure which one it was, but he said that if you think it's like the first half of the race, and then once the checker flag falls, the race is on pause and the it's like the red flags thrown pretty much and the restarting the grid for Sunday. It just t- it's I think it's starting to take away a little bit of the 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 Grand Prix Sunday day by having a couple of laps on a racetrack the day before. It's just a little bit unnecessary. Do you do you do you agree with that, Craig? Or do you think there it has got some potential to work? The thing I don't get is F one's main focus at the minute is reducing costs. So why are we running another session, which this might be a bit harsh, but it's it's kind of pointless because it very rarely changes the grid position from the quality. And it it's just it's just added risk. And if you have a crash, it's an extra. Well, I mean, F1 cars aren't cheap. They're not at all. Um, but it, it just seems to be. It, it seemed to be an idea that looked great on paper, but now we've seen it in 
in like actually put to put to the track i i just don't really think it works and it doesn't advertise f1 very well because if you tune in and watch if you tuned in and watched the race on the saturday for monza you'd think oh actually there's not there's not really much going on here it's it's kind of just it's just a bit of a procession i, I don't think i'm gonna watch tomorrow it, i just don't think it does f1, f1 any favors at all really no and if if there's fans of the sport that maybe buy like a, a sky or sky now pass whatever and they they tune into the, the friday night qualifying and i like that idea but then i agree with that if they continue on to the saturday they see the race some people might think that is the actual race because i think it's so confusing we're qualifying you know almost all but three races this year and has been the past is friday is practice qualifying is on saturday and for the fans who more casual fans that sport that maybe don't follow every race they tune in and see cars racing on a Saturday. They might not tune in for the Sunday because they might not know there's an actual race the next day. Because that's I've... the other thing. It, it it's this whole not calling it, um, not calling this session on the Friday qualifying. But what is it then if it's not qualifying? Surely it sets the grid. Um, yeah, that's I, I, I don't know. It just seems, it seems like a really strange way of reinventing the wheel when the wheel didn't really need reinventing we saw this back in what was it 2016 knockout with, qualifying yeah with the yeah. knockout and that was <laughs> well um, <laughs> i think we all know what uh what that how that went it was the best thing they ever brought into the sport we all know that well besides nikita mazepin of course very true um <laughs> <laughs> so well what would you do to solve the problem then richard well how would you because I think this is a discussion that F1 needs to start having. Yeah. Because it's quite clear that this format they've put forward, uh, it doesn't doesn't really work. Yeah, I, I agree. But the idea of trialing it, I think, was a good idea, rather than just saying, this is what we're doing from now on. And I think it needs to be trialed at, well, I think one of the North American races, if they go ahead, is when the third trial. But I would like to see the Saturday stuff be, you know, not completely different but not relating to the grand prix have qualifying as we know it the the one hour session that sets the grid for the grand prix if you want to then have a sprint race that still keep the three two and one points but reverse the grid or give all the teams you know, new set new sets of tires that won't affect the championship and if f1 want 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 to pay compensation for damages or whatever have have it as Something that's more for the fans of the circuit that are paying hundreds of pounds to go to the events to, to watch 20 cars race for 20, 25 laps. That there, there's still points in offer, but it's only to one, two or three points. It's not much, but it won't completely change and, and take away from the Friday qualifying, which we all love, and the Grand Prix itself. Because you can't have qualifying for one race qualifying on the saturday the same session for the sunday's race and then at different events just not have you know that grid sets a grid for a, a race on saturday which they don't call a race that sets the grid for the race on sunday it's it's so confusing it's not helping casual fans but i think if they brought it in where they kept the sprint race format for a couple of events maybe you know, 
two three year that changes every season and made that a, a standalone event on the Saturday that did not count massively towards uh, the standings I think it would help and keep the, the qualifying on the Friday night for the grid for Sunday and don't mess with that the problem I have with sprint races is what do they add to the original package that we already had? Because the other problem with this weekend is FP2 is completely pointless because yep. it's under Park Fermi. So what's the actual point of um, of running a, a differing setup? You've really only got an hour to nail down the setup of the car. The the FP2 session is, is just pointless. It, it, is. it is pointless. And it's it's high risk, as science found out. Yeah. No, but I, I just can't see what the sprint adds because drivers aren't gonna push the just, i just can't see i just can't see a sprint working now it's very similar to what you said i think you keep the friday qualifying that works great i like that friday evening qualifying that sets the sunday grid so that is pretty much as it as it was um, and then if, if you want to bring in something exciting to bring in more fans, why don't we do a reverse grid on the Saturday? Yeah, that, that would be ideal, but I know that, that that's probably something that we'll never see happen in Formula 1 because of the way the politics work in the sport. But it works well in Formula 2, Formula 3 and different series. And if they do sort of take the approach of uh, the GB3 Championship, for the reverse grid, why not have points and offer for every overtake? Because that that would encourage encourage action a lot more, especially if you're in a title fight going you know, down the back of the grid. If you can gain thirteen places, thirteen extra points, relevant. Well, and then I think you, you have the problem of if if it's a reverse grid, you'll have the teams at the front that struggle with pace, moaning that they're not going to make overtakes. They're just going to be overtaken. It's. It, honestly it's, it's a real headache for f1 yeah because I... now they've tried the sprint race and i think you can unanimously say fans aren't fans of it judging from what i've read on twitter and what i've heard from different people who i've spoken to about it it, it just doesn't seem to work so i think something's got to change what i what they change i i'm really not too sure on I definitely think it needs one, one more round somewhere just to see, but potentially with a slight tweak to the format in order to... Because if if these past two were trial events, well, you can change it and have a, a trial for something different just to, to get it right. Um, but I think it, it seems to be clear at the moment that it's something that they're not really thinking about pursuing full-time I know there has been reports of the Saturday race will be a stand standalone race that won't count towards the the championship, but that but then it comes back to cost. Yeah, what's the point in running it? No, that is true. It is a headache to Formula One, and I think it's it's confusing for fans to work out as well, um, because it's a different format and the times are completely different than what normally happens and the practice is all over the place. Um, the idea on paper was good. In reality, it isn't. And I think that's the same for so many things in Formula 1. Um, I think it would just have to wait and see what... the what. Well, I know there's a questionnaire going around for feedback from the Italian Grand Prix. Yes, there is. So it'll be interesting to see when the, uh, the 
the feedbacks if we ever find you know, find out what the information they got from that is um because silverstone i think you know, overwhelmingly it was positive positive for sprint races it might have been because it was the first time and it, it could have been and because of Lance's performance but it, it'll, it'll be interesting um it'll be interesting to see if they if they can get it in for another race at some point this season but Something that did happen during the race, that the, the actual race on, on the Sunday, that is, the Grand Prix, and some massive in the championship battle, was Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton both failing to finish. Craig, what do you make of that, the, the crash uh, between the two? Who Are you one to, on air, say who you believe was at fault or, or not? Well, it's it's interesting because we we were at the in the media center at Alton Park, weren't we, when watching this, and then we heard everyone go, <gasps> and our stream was a little delayed, so it yeah. was like, oh hello, what's happened here? And then lo and behold, the more I've seen it, when I first saw it, I thought Max hundred percent his fault. Now I'm I'm not a racing incident, but Lewis definitely got his elbows out which he's perfectly entitled to do it is his championship to fight for as well i think lewis put the car in a position that was quite smart because it was put in a position where max had to bail out or at least try to jump the curb i think it's 80 20 on fault i think max decided to have a crash and we saw what well, i mean the thing that annoys me with these coming together is it's just, it's not needed. It's just, we saw it with, not being funny, turn one, turn four, lap one, Max runs Lewis clean off the track at turn four. We see a couple of laps later, Lewis overtake round the outside of Norris, no contact, no fuss. Turn one later in the race, we saw loads of people go around the outside of one and cut back into two, no problem, no fuss. These two come together and it's, there's always a touch. They, they always seem to touch. They always seem to be that kind of... I mean, I'm not complaining. It's it's turning into a fantastic season. It's Senna Prost stuff, this. It's it's going to be talked about for a while. But my personal opinion, Max made the decision to put the car in a position where they were gonna, there was going to be a crash. Even if it was... I don't think he expected to jump the curve and actually go over the top of Hamilton. But if he had he not gone over, he would have definitely bumped Hamilton off or gone in, pushed him into the gravel. Which um, is, in the, it, it's just, it's just we don't want to see it. I think both drivers could have done more to avoid the crash, but both of them are racing drivers, and they both, they, they both want they, they don't want to run wide because the other person will then have a better you know more of a lead going down the straight or whatever. They want to hold their position. They're fighting for a position. And the thing... Lewis is very good at giving drivers the space and respect going around corners. And we've seen that, as you said, with the, the other moves. Well, where Vettel's f- come out and said it, hasn't he? Yeah. Where for Sebastian Stapp- Vettel's come out and said, I, I trust him solely when I'm side by side with him. And that's coming from a four-time world champion. Exactly. You, yeah. Whereas the problem with Max is he, he sort of... I think the problem is with for, with uh, Vettel and Hamilton and stuff, they grew up in the era where there was that rivalry, but there was also the respect on track between drivers. Exactly. 
Whereas exactly. for, whereas Verstappen is grown up in the era of it's this it's the same group of drivers in the the feeder series that has sort of moved throughout the sport with him and he's used to racing against them where when it comes up against drivers who push the limits to the maximum they can without damaging their own race you you can see if, you know back 2017 18 when Vettel was was battling for championships you seen him and Hamilton they were giving each other space they were having great battles on track but they they were pushing each other to the limit but they knew where the limit was that both of them could continue in the race where you just yeah. are not seeing this with with Max he I think if Silverstone didn't happen the outcome of this might have been slightly different I think Verstappen knows he's in the lead of the championship if he's if if they crash well he, if they crash they're both gone out he's done the lead of the championship and I just hope that's not the mentality that he'll have going through the rest of the season because he's losing respect to fans very quickly and he'll have very little respect left if he keeps crashing purposely in order to win the championship. The the thing that I I can't get my head around is um and I'm just waiting for everyone to bombard us with oh Apple fat boys oh, 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 oh. No, we just we just want to see good racing. Yeah. Um it's Max has in his head if he's alongside someone and on the if he's near they have to jump out the way for him. That's yeah. the vibe I get from his interviews. He's like, oh, he, he kept pushing. He kept pushing me off. You look at the replay. Hamilton didn't change his line through one at all. He just put the car in a position where he had the line. You ca- and the rule is, if you have to be a you have to be a car, you have to be alongside, isn't it? Yeah. At no point in that first corner was Max alongside. He w- his nose was about level with I think the middle of the car, but that doesn't dictate space. Like at that point, you're 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 on the outside of the corner, which then switches to the inside in the case of Monza. But I I can't get my head around this mentality of he never leaves me room. I was like, hang on, but what we've just seen was a mirror image of what happened at turn four on the first lap. Yeah. So how is that any different? Yeah, I think. The sort of the stuff Red Bull were saying back at Silverstone, you, they they were working out you know, who's in, who's ahead and stuff. You play that to here, and as as always, Hamilton had that corner. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. If if Verstappen you know, ran a bit you know, more wide going into the you know, to the left hander of the, of the chicane, then he he may he, he may have you know, been ahead. If he if he had have cut across the sausage curbs a bit rather than not making any attempt whatsoever. If there was a genuine attempt to avoid Hamilton, if he knew he knew there was going to be contact, Hamilton wasn't wasn't moving and the position of Verstappen's car, it was straight on. That's why he went over the top of Hamilton. If he mm-hmm. had have been attempting to move even a little bit to the left, even on board, just to turn left to avoid and if a met Hamilton got a time penalty or ever for, for pushing him off then fine, but he he knew that his best chance now of of maximizing his chance of winning the title is to send especially, both of them out. Especially after the poor pit stop, I think yeah. the poor pit stop will have 
been a red flag to a bull for Max. That would have really riled him up. And I think it would... The thing, the thing with this incident, and I think what we should refer to, is the Bottas and Leclerc not coming together, but overtake. So Bottas is on the inside, Leclerc's on the outside. Leclerc goes deep and tries to go the long way, doesn't achieve that and jumps over the sausage curb. He then lets Bottas back through and then gets right in his toe and he's, he's overtaken him again by turn four. Why, why couldn't Max have done that? And I think it's this rivalry is so strong and this championship is going to come down to maybe points for fastest lap because it's that close. I just think, and it was it was what Jackie Stewart said, I think Max needs to mature. And it was Damon Hill as well. Um, he just said he needs to know when to pick his fights. Because Hamilton is arguably one of the most respectful drivers on the grid. I know he's had a few comings together. But if if you've got Sebastian Vettel, Fernando Alonso, who are all world champions, saying... Yeah, he's one of the... He leaves the room. He doesn't push you off. If they're saying that, then... I, I, to me, it just comes down... To, I think Max just needs to pick pick his battles better. And I'm not a racing driver, so I, I don't know what's... But in my opinion, I think Max picks fights that nine times out of ten, he will win because the other car will jump out the way. Hamilton has already shown him this year he's not prepared to do that on every occasion. We saw it at turn four in Monza. He did jump out of the way. Here he didn't, and he had every right not to. I think one thing that will be interesting to see is in a few years' time, whenever Russell and Norris really you know, are, are battling for titles, is because they're sort of the same sort of group that grew up with Verstappen and racing. They're you know, at times they can be slightly more aggressive. It'll be interesting to see how that works. Whether or not them after you. Know, racing against each other growing up in the same sort of style of racing, will that make a difference? And I think, I, I said this to you in the car on the way down, that I just wish Hamilton was a couple of years younger because this would be one of the, I think it's shaping up to be an incredible rivalry, but this could be one of the best battles. You know, This this could easily go on for another three, four years. And if Hamilton's a couple of years younger, you, if this here was, say, a 10-year battle, it would be one of the best definitely of modern times I, I don't think age is a problem Hamilton's worried about I think he's arguably driving some of the best racing he's he's driven for a long time and I think with the Russell and Norris we've seen the underlying respect is there we've seen Norris versus Hamilton we saw it in Imola um, and we've seen it uh, at Monza and we know Russell's a respectful Apart from when he's pulling, you know, little stunts in the pit lane. Um, but that was, it was, oh, I mean, we all would. Um, but we've seen, we've seen the underlying respect there. And for some reason, it, Verstappen doesn't seem to have that. It doesn't seem to be, he will do anything to win this title. No matter who he hits or who he takes off. And I'm not saying that as a, a Verstappen hater. That's just the mentality he has. He has a, it's a win or bust strategy. And it's interesting. It comes back to the point I mentioned last year when we were doing, I believe, the Christmas special. And I said, when Max is fighting for a title, his biggest strength will become his weakness. His biggest strength is his boldness, his moves, his 
his elbows when he gets them out. And I think we're starting to see that this year. That style doesn't tend to win world championships. No. Um, it's going to be an exciting end of the season, definitely, between Hamilton and Verstappen. And we don't know how many more times they'll collide, but they're if both of them... We, all we want to see is the two of them racing against each other on track, having some great battles, because we've been waiting so long for, for that. And it's happening... And we don't know if next year the, the regulation changes, but or not, if we'll continue. We'll just have to wait for that. But a team that has sort of well finished off their you know, great revival, McLaren, 1-2. Daniel Ricciardo won, Landon Norris second. Craig, just how pleased were you to see McLaren back on the top step of the podium this weekend? Oh, it's fantastic. And just they did it on pure pace. There was no... Or if Hamilton or Verstappen would have finished, they'd would they'd have won. It's like we don't know that because they were behind them. Danny Rick led start to finish, besides the pit stops, um, and I think that was to me the most. And the thing that amazed me is Norris on the radio, guys. What do you want me to do? What's best for the team? That is a guy that knows his team. He knows his where his eggs in his uh, which which basket his eggs are in, and I it's just. I mean, you can't not like McLaren, and it's it's uh, it's epic to see Ricardo back on top. It's epic to see Norris up there with him, and it's epic to see McLaren back finally after all this time. Yeah, I think well, it was safe to say Andreas Seidel was one of the best appointments the team has made in recent years, maybe since uh, Total Wolf of Mercedes. Yeah, I could agree with that. Yeah, he, I think he's done an incredible job since he's come in. And I think you, you have to look where, where McLaren were. They they took a risk in bringing in Lando Norris when at the time people saying he wasn't ready. I know I said this a few times podcast that Russell Alba and Norris were all said they, were, they weren't ready to step up the Formula 1. And you know, although Alba has missed this season, he's back next season. The three of them are are quality drivers and you're, you're you're seeing Russell getting the Mercedes chance next season Norris has been impressive since he joined the sport he's constantly improving and I think it's gone past the point where a Norris podium was a surprise to it's now something that we actually might you know, expect to see in the weekend because McLaren this season have been incredible and I think what's helping them is they are being pushed by Ferrari as well and They've got this this bond. The team. It's, it's when you look when you think of Mercedes and Ferrari, you think of a big massive team. Whereas McLaren, although they're a massive car company, they still feel like a, a small group of people that are just love the sport. I think that's the way Zach Brown comes across to me. I mean, you might disagree with that, Craig, but it's just passion. I mean, it's, yeah, it's something you don't. It, it's. It's something that that's hard and sometimes can get lost in all the politics of F one, but it's it's just fantastic to see McLaren back. It really is, and they deserve it after everything they've been through. Yeah, and do you think this is really what they needed to make all you know, the pain from the last few years worth it to to now potentially going into next season be right up there taking the fight to to Red Bull, Mercedes, whoever's going to be up there to, to potentially be challenging for a title? I think they can be next year. I think the platform they'll have laid down this year 
is so solid that, and I think the regs as well, the regulation change will make a difference. And I think we will see McLaren up there this year, uh, next year, sorry. And I think they could genuinely be contenders for the title. Uh, I think if if Ricardo he he's been improving this season, he obviously struggled at the start, but the last few rounds he has been quite impressive. I reckon if he can keep this form up now for the rest of the season, McLaren will definitely be in the constructors' battle, and and I think it was it was telling that they didn't switch Norris and Ricardo around, that they knew that the team championship will mean more to them than Norris finishing you know, third in the championship because their battles against Ferrari for that third place and Norris knows that and he's proven that he can play the team game and down the line that will be repaid. It could be a... 100%. Say it comes to, to Abu Dhabi and Ricardo's ahead of him, Norris needs one point to claim third, I'd say the team would probably switch. Ricardo would give up a podium for that because I think Norris probably could have outpaced Ricardo to, uh, during the race if it's just them two mm-hmm. fighting up front it, it's I a tough one to know I don't think he would have done because I think you saw that pace Ricardo had in his bag on that last lap that fastest lap they set on the last lap no that's true he he wasn't really pushing that much towards the end he, he saved up for that um, and well, another strong weekend for, for Valtteri Bottas well another strong weekend one of a few strong weekends recently for Valtteri Bottas and it just so happens that he has lost his Mercedes seat going to Alfa Romeo next season. Great, just very quickly, just your reaction to Bottas moving to Alfa Romeo and, of course, George Russell moving to uh, to Mercedes. Obviously, Williams scored points with Russell with, with ninth place, but what do you make of both their, their weekends? Well, I think Bottas's weekend, arguably, was one of the best I've seen from him in his Mercedes career. If, well, I don't know if you agree with that. No, I, I, I do. He, it was impressive throughout. And in, I think if he didn't have to take that penalty to the back of the grid, he, he probably would have been up there, maybe on the podium. I don't think he would have had the pace to, to win the race. Uh, he obviously relied on Perez getting the penalty to, to get onto the podium. But it was one of his better weekends. And it's just disappointing for him that it had to come the weekend after he, he lost a seat for next season? Well, I think it's, if anything, that's the best time to have it because it, it, will, it will reassure him that he can do it. And I think the, the thing with Valtteri is now the pressure's not there. I think we could see him have a completely different second half of the season. Do and you... dare I make a brave accusation and say I wouldn't rule him out of the title battle just yet. Okay. I think... If Max and Lewis continue to trip over each other and he he's the one that's there to pick up the pieces with this newfound form, if he can maintain it, there's no reason why he's not going to close down that gap. It would definitely be an interesting one to, to see, but it is entirely possible. It's something around 80-odd 80, 80 points. And Norris isn't, Norris isn't even far behind um, either. To get no, he's that. not. I think he's like further 10 points or something behind. Something like that, because he only yeah. overtook him last race, yeah. I think. I mean, I'm all up, all up for a Bottas-Norris championship battle towards the end of the season. If, <laughs> if having Verstappen want to keep having <laughs> keep having their little scraps, be quite interesting. Um, 
George, George Russell then uh, scoring points. Um, well, if if Hamilton Verstappen keep having these little battles, do you think uh, there's any way Mercedes might decide you know what actually Valtteri will will bring you back? In 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 place of who? Hamilton. Nah. Nah, not happening. No way. <laughs> <laughs> That's the well. There's your clickbait title anyway. Exactly. So. <laughs> that was the plan. <laughs> No, I, that, I can't. I think I'm so excited for next year's Mercedes driver lineup. Yeah, uh, one of the best on the grid. Proper Team GB stuff. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Hamilton, uh, Norris, and Russell all on the podium. Silverstone that would be quite incredible. Oh, can you imagine? Silverstone would erupt. Yeah, it, it actually will be quite interesting uh, to see next year. Uh, the the balance between Mercedes and McLaren merchandise because there's a lot more McLaren stuff this year than than usual. So if if Russell, it would be interesting to see who the fans would be supporting because you have three great British drivers fighting for for titles, which would be quite interesting to see. But um, there's been some uh, news that's come out the last few days, and that is Formula One are looking to bring in. Young drivers as a compulsory, make them compulsory for Friday practice for at least one session. Just very quickly, Craig, do you think that's a good idea? Is it the right way to to go forward, or will it just become who, which young drivers got the most of money, amount of money to pay for a team to get seat? Well, hopefully it won't be which which young drivers got the most money, but I th- I think it's a great idea. Why not? I mean, that's what free practice is is for, and we need to see more of these younger drivers and i think i think it's a fantastic idea just bringing them say every team has to one one younger driver on a friday why not yeah it'll be interesting to see uh which drivers the team picks because you williams got the likes of jamie chapwick and stuff that definitely deserve chances um it'll be interesting to see how strict they are because we all know from the young drivers test Renault ran uh, Alonso last year, Alfa Romeo ran Kubica. I hope teams don't get around it that way and say if a driver hasn't been racing for two years because you see Hulkenberg and the Aston Martin and stuff, I think that would be quite unfair. Um, but I also wouldn't like to see you know, the likes of, of, of Roy Nassani paying his way for the Williams seat you know, for every session, keeping the likes of Chadwick or Jack Aiken back. It would be quite unfair. Is yeah, it, but then, then you've got the argument as of uh, is Jack Aitken a young driver? Well, he's a Grand Prix driver, technically. So, of interest. So this, this is one of those things that it could be a thousand and one ways to fold a piece yeah. of paper. Because you know, for Haas, Piet, uh, no, is it? Yeah, Pietro Fittipaldi. He's done two races, but he. Yep. Although always it uh, always in the back of the cars had a different light. For during testing, it was a your rookie until you do your two races or something like that. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they play that. But um, I think we'll move on to our predictions very quickly for the Russian Grand Prix, the at the Sochi Autodrome. I think this is the final race there for a while, or is it twenty twenty three? They're moving somewhere. It's twenty twenty three, I think. Okay, so it. two more races there, and um, this is of course Ryan's favorite uh, track. So. You can uh, put uh, what you think of the circuit in the comments below for him to see because I think he's the only person that I know that actually likes the circuit. Um, 
But yeah, the sorry, the well, the points we got last time were not great at all. Um, I got one point for putting Bottas on third on the podium, and I got half a point for my wildcard prediction, putting Russell in the points, and Ryan got half a point for putting Lance Stroll in the top seven. So. That means it is 16 points to me and 19.5 for you and Ryan, uh, Craig. So you've still got a bit of a lead, but still plenty to play in this season. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to end this podcast here. Any final thoughts ahead of the Russian Grand Prix, Craig? Uh, no, not. Are we going to do the predictions? We are, actually, yes. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. I got, I got a little confused there. Yeah. Yeah, we have to do the predictions. Yeah, that's a very good call. You know the podcast format better than me, and I've been on 21 <laughs> now. Okay, right. It's, yeah, normal format again this time, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah, yeah, no it's sprint uh, shenanigans. It saves the hassle of sprint quality predictions. So, qualifying, pole position. Pole, Bottas. Okay. He usually runs well here. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, I uh, can see that happening as well. Your race winner, uh, Bottas. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go Hamilton. Uh, yeah, I'll stick with my guns. Okay, and podium. You, you can't put Bottas on the on the second and third place. By the way, you have to pick two different drivers. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna say Hamilton and oh, it depends if Max takes engine penalties. Well, that is, that is true. I'm gonna say Norris. Okay, I'm gonna be variable for my predictions. Uh, I'm gonna go for ooh. Hamilton, Leclerc, and Gasly. No, that's that is that's very bold. Yeah, it's still possible though. I mean, weirder things have happened. Yeah, and fastest lap. Fastest lap, Max Verstappen. Yeah, Verstappen. Uh, I'm gonna go Gasly. Why not? And then wildcard prediction. Um, World Cup prediction. Mazepin and Schumacher not to hit each other during the race. Yes, this is is a good one actually. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for two actually. Uh, Sonoda to get into Q three, and Russell to finish in the top seven. Yeah, that's they're good. A little bit um, in the wild, well, definitely wildcard predictions. Uh, don't really know how uh, possible they're going to be. Uh, so I'll get it right this time. Uh, any final thoughts ahead of the Russian Grand Prix? No, I, th- I think we've covered most of it. I think I'm just looking forward to seeing how this championship battle unfolds. Yeah, it, it should be definitely exciting. And if these two can provide a great battle for the rest of the season given what we've been through the last two years, it will just make all the restrictions worthwhile from Formula 1 and 
as they open it up, um, obviously more opportunities will come, and I think the events are getting better, with more and more fans are getting in as well. So it'll be an exciting end of the season. There's two, you know, there's no race this weekend, but the Russian Grand Prix is the following weekend, or if it's even going to be called the Russian Grand Prix. I know there's no anthem or flag allowed, so it'll be interesting to see. But we've had a British driver win the British Grand Prix. We've had a uh, a Belgian-born driver win the Belgian Grand Prix. A Dutch driver won the Dutch Grand Prix. So a Russian driver won the Russian Grand Prix. Is that possible? I mean, if it does, I'll eat my hat. Okay. Uh, I should have put down my wildcard prediction for Daniel Kvyat to replace uh, Fernando Alonso this weekend to claim a surprise one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, Craig, thank you for joining me once again for this podcast. Um, and thank you to everyone for listening. And we we'll hope you'll join us next time for a recap of the Russian Grand Prix. Goodbye. Goodbye.